So as you can see, or at least for those of you who are kind of regulars here, things look a little bit different this morning. And uh, there is a reason for that. This is our annual State of the Church message that we do about once a year or so. Actually, there's been a little bit longer since the last one, which was in uh, August of 2021, so about a year and a half ago. Um, But this is an opportunity for us to just pause and celebrate what God has done and look forward to what uh, we pray that God would do or be open to what he wants us to do in the year ahead. Um, We just finished a mini-series on the Sabbath uh, the last three weeks, and one of the themes of that was that we rest in order to remember. We rest to remember. And this principle of remembering is so important and vital to um, uh, disciples, individual disciples thriving and churches thriving. And so that's another reason why we just pause to reflect on what God has done and remember. This isn't about us ultimately. It's so easy for us to make this about ourselves as pastors, for us to make this about ourselves as a church. It's about Jesus Christ and what he has done in our lives, and then we just have the privilege of seeking to make that known to the world around us. So we want to try to pause and reflect on those things today. Uh, if Terra Nova is your home, um, and you've been here for some time, my encouragement to you today is to listen to all that is going to be said uh, with an ear to prayer, how you can be praying for us, and in and an ear to engage, how you can be engaged and become involved with the things you sense God is doing here. If Terra Nova is new to you, if you're a visitor, if you're brand new for the first time here this morning, welcome. This is a great way to get to know us. In fact, I was thinking about it, Reuben. I'm pretty sure that your family showed up for your first Sunday on a State of the Church Sunday. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. Was, right. That, was that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, you're still here. <laughs> yeah, I guess it worked out. Uh, for me, it was really good because um, as like a brand new person coming in, you sort of said, this is, what, this is what we're about. This is what we're trying to go. So it was like, all right, there's no secrets there. There's no like, oh, surprise, this is what we try to do. So yeah. it was good. Yeah. Good. Well, we hope that can be um, for you here today as well. Whether you're a longtime Terra person or new with us. Also, too, if you weren't aware, there's a town hall style meeting afterwards. Uh, we recognize that we can't say everything we would like to here during 30 plus or minus minutes. And so afterwards, there'll be a chance for you guys to ask any questions you have. Uh, for us to just hear comments and thoughts from you. It's kind of a large family room style conversation, and it's, it's been profitable in the past for us even to get a sense of the pulse of our congregation, our church family, in terms of what you guys are feeling and thinking. So let me pray, and then we'll jump right into it. Father, thank you for the reminder this morning that I know I, know I need so often, that the gospel is so much bigger than me, so much bigger than our church even, as we think about the church around the world singing your praises in different languages. It reminds me of how big of a God you are, of the beauty and diversity, and of how only we all together collectively can maybe begin to be a shadow of your glory as we are created in your image as the church. We thank you and praise you for that reality and truth It makes us feel appropriately small and just excited to be a part of something and with someone so much bigger and greater and more glorious than ourselves. I pray that today as we talk through these um, remembrances, the things we can celebrate, the things we can point to, that as to how you've been working and moving, that it would serve to encourage our hearts, that you are with us, that you are near. And I pray, Father, that as we speak to the things that we anticipate may be coming, Um, that it wouldn't just be practical, but it would actually uh, spur us to to love and good works, 
and to want to, be, to see where you're at work and to want to join you in that. We pray for your Spirit's help in doing all these things, apart from whom Jesus said to us, we can do nothing. And we ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. A lot of what we're going to be talking about today is pretty practical in nature. It's more of the strategy of our church and, and how we can celebrate and reflect based upon uh, the structures and strategies we've had and, and some fruit we've seen come of that and structures and strategies moving forward. But I want to just acknowledge that structures and strategies just flow out of bigger picture, more important things like mission and vision and values. And some of you who are in the corporate or business world will have even heard that terminology, use that terminology mission, vision, value, strategy. Um, It is not unique to the church. It was actually more something that I think was kind of cultivated within the corporate world, but the reality is all truth is God's truth, and these are principles that are embedded in who God has made us to be, and so we find them to be really helpful here at Terra Nova. So I want to talk briefly about what each of those things are, uh, mission, vision, and values for us before we get into the strategy piece. Um, Our mission, as you've probably heard us say it many times before, is to make more and better disciples of Jesus. Pretty easy to remember. And actually, it's not, again, unique to us. In some form or another, the Church Universal's mission statement should be something along the lines of to make more and better disciples of Jesus. The more and better are important in there because they both identify the fact that we are called, uh, first of all, to uh, as, a, as Christians to, um, to witness to the work that God has done in our lives through the gospel, to make more disciples, to evangelize, to share the word with the world that doesn't yet know Jesus but needs him. But it doesn't stop there either. We don't, um, we're not satisfied with people just coming to know Jesus and be saved, as great as that is. We also want to grow in him. Um, there is joy that comes from growing in um, our walk with Jesus and coming to know God more intimately. And that's the better part of more and better disciples. That's our mission at Terra Nova. Uh, the mission is the cause that drives us. Our purpose, okay? So that's our mission as a church. That's our mission, then the vision is the dream that inspires us. This is what it looks like when it's all done. Um, These are the conversations that we have as friends, that we have within our tribes, the things you hear the pastors say from the pulpit as we cast vision for the things that we, we hope that God will do, that we see God doing, that we want to be a part, and what that will ultimately look like. Our values are the identity that we define ourselves by. They're the parameters within which we seek to live out our mission and our vision. All right? They kind of keep us in check. And we have three core values at Terranova Church. The first one and most important is that we're, we seek to be Christocentric in everything that we say and we do. That just means we try to center our work <coughs> and our lives and our words around the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay? If everything else were to fade away, if the other core values that I'll share in a moment were to disappear, we could rediscover them in that first one, what it means to be Christocentric. Our second core value is to be incarnational. Um, Jesus gave us the picture of what this looks like in John chapter 1 verse 14, where we're told that Jesus, the word, incarnated. He tabernacled is literally the word amongst us. He was present amongst us, full of grace and truth. That's what it means to be incarnational as Christians and as the church. We are present within a culture and in a society in a certain time and place, and we're full of grace and we're full of truth. Presence, grace, and truth. That's what Jesus was, and that's what we as his extensions seek to be today. And then the last core value is missional and monastic, and it may seem like we're fudging a little bit trying to 
um, fit two into one, but you can't really have one without the other, you're an imbalanced expression of, of Jesus. And I think that the best picture of what it means to be missional and monastic, since we just, some of us celebrated St. Paddy's Day a couple of weeks ago, is that of St. Patrick, when he was a missionary to Ireland, um, this unreached people group, and introduced them to Jesus. As people came to faith, he set up within uh, their communities these low-walled monasteries, literally uh, walls that were three to four feet high of stone, um, Patrick having come from mainland Britain where they had these high-walled enclosed structures, monasteries that kept the world out, these low-walled monasteries were allowed or were created so that people could enter in and observe what was happening in these new Christian communities that were being formed. So you had both the missional and the monastic because the monastic component is the life that Christians do together that is a foretaste of heaven as we love and serve one another, uh, as we operate by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives in a way that's different than the world, um, and we enjoy that. And yet, the missional component is allowing that to be seen by the world around us, people that we want to know Jesus. And that's what Patrick did, is there was entrances and exits throughout these low-walled monasteries where people who didn't yet know Jesus could come in and witness what was going on here, what's different about this place. And one of St. Patrick's convictions was that sometimes people need to belong before they're going to believe. They need to see the difference that Christ makes in people's lives before they're actually going to heed the word of Christ. And so that's our third core value at Terra, is to be both missional and monastic. And so then finally, out of our mission and our vision and our values comes our strategy. How do we actually live this out? If there's something that's universal and unchanging about our mission and our vision and our values, and and will probably be pretty similar from church to church, the strategy is what can change. The strategy is what can look very different in different times, places, and cultures. It's the method that mobilizes us in the mission, vision, and values. The vehicle that gets us to where we want to go. Um, So we're going to reflect and we're going to then preview what God has been doing and and what we, we see him doing by talking through the strategic component. And I'm going to organize this. We're going to organize this into three different buckets. The mystic, pilgrim, and missionary buckets. You may have heard those at Terra Nova before. I'll unpack those a little bit when we get to them. Just the fact that we were designed to be eternally focused, as upwardly focused, seeking after God as theologians, um, internally focused in terms of where that intersects with our life and community. We do that together. And then For that to make an impact on the world around us, we need to be externally focused as missionaries too. So we're going to organize the strategic conversation here around those three different buckets. So first, for us to be mystics at Terra Nova, again, what I mean by that is just this upward focus on knowing God through the word and worship. And by the way, I know that some of these uh, words that we use, um, they're containers for ideas, different ideas for different people. We don't mean the negative connotations of somebody locked away in an ivory tower seeking mystical experiences by that. We mean the best of what mystics have been throughout the ages, which are a people who are seeking God with an insatiable appetite to know him with all of their hearts. And examples, good examples of mystics historically have been St. Augustine or C.S. Lewis or A.W. Tozer and many others, okay? So that's what we mean by mystics. How how are we formed strategically as mystics, especially here at Terranova Church? We just want to speak to a few of those things here this morning. We're people who receive the word through preaching and teaching. Um, We do that uh, in some strategic ways we'll we'll spell out for you. And then we're people who worship um, together. Okay, so I just want to speak to the preaching and teaching uh, piece for a moment at a more philosophical level. Like, why do we preach to begin with? 
It's just something that's so easy to take for granted and lose sight of its importance. Why do we do this? And the answer, in short, is because we believe the word of God is the power of God for salvation. Romans 1.16. And we see examples of the importance of preaching the word of God throughout scripture. We see it in Jesus' life. When we were in our Matthew series, we heard him say this. He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for this was the purpose for which I was sent. We see it in the early church in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6. The apostles ended up needing to appoint servants to do a lot of the work of service so that they said they could do what? Focus on the work of prayer and the ministry of the word. Why? Certainly not because they were above serving, which is something no doubt they still did but because it reflected their deeply held conviction of the importance of preaching the word of God in terms of how integral that was to people's salvation and growth, the more and better disciples piece. We see it in the Apostle Paul's letters to Timothy, where he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Devote yourself. It's really, really important to the Apostle Paul. Again, in Romans 1, 15 to 16, which I already quoted, Paul says to the church in Rome, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. A few years ago, maybe longer now, something really struck me about that verse. Before Paul talks about the gospel being the power of God for salvation to those who believe, he says, I'm eager to preach this gospel to you also who are in Rome. Who is he talking to there? He's talking to believers. We might actually read and hear that as, oh, he's talking to those who don't yet know Jesus. But those weren't the ones receiving this letter. The gospel is not just for those who don't yet know Jesus. The gospel is for those who do know Jesus and need to grow in their understanding of its application in their lives. The Bible actually uses the, 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 the verb or, the, or the, the, uh, the idea of salvation in three different tense, tenses. We've been saved once for all by Jesus' blood uh, covering us through our belief in him. We are being saved, this process that we call sanctification, and we will be saved, this future perfect holiness that comes upon us once Jesus returns. And so the gospel is what God uses even in the lives of Christians, to continue to grow us, not just to save us. And so that's why we preach. What is it that we preach? We preach Christ. Again, our first core value is that we seek to be Christocentric, Christ-centered in all that we do. Examples of Christ-centered preaching and living that we see in Scripture is Paul to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians one twenty-three, where he says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. And we see it in Paul's own life too, right? Where he says to the Corinthians, for I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I also love the C.H. Spurgeon uh, quote. If you're not familiar with him, he's uh, dubbed the Prince of Preachers. That was kind of his nickname. I believe he lived in the 1800s in in England. And he said this. He said, preach you Christ and Christ and Christ and Christ and nothing else but Christ. You can see where his focus was in his preaching. Now, we, we reflect that, of course, or flesh that out differently through different genres of Scripture, whether that be the stories, the narratives, like in the Gospels, or the historical books, or poems, or whatever, poetry, or whatever. Um, and then we also have to seek to, to take those truths and apply them to our lives in particular, but our preaching, we always seek to have it focus on the person and work of Jesus.
So I hope you, um, I hope you have an appreciation for that. Um, and we say this as much for our own sake, to galvanize our own convictions of the importance of preaching. Here's how that's fleshed this out really, itself out practically over the past 12-plus months at Terra Nova. Um, we finished up last Easter a two-year journey in the Gospel of Matthew that many of you were here with us for. And uh, in that gospel, we witnessed the coming of the king who inaugurated his kingdom and showed us what the kingdom of God was all about. From there, we moved into a series on the one another's of the New Testament. I don't know how many is there, like 52? It's debatable, but there's so many. 46, all right, it's debatable. Uh, One another's. (laughs) How how we are to love one another, interact, share one another's burdens, um, encourage one another, care for one another, and so on. It's, the, it's, it's what the life of a kingdom citizen should look like. So Jesus showed us what the kingdom is in Matthew. Then we looked at the one another's, what kingdom life looks like for its citizens in that series. And what we uncovered in that series was that the primary motivation for all of the one another's is to love. And so then, this past fall, we turned our attention to a biblical case study for love by looking at the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And in Ruth, what we saw is that it was her faith that enabled this beautiful, sacrificial, selfless love, which foreshadowed Jesus' love for us. So then that, in turn, shifted our focus to the book of Hebrews, where we are right now, which is a book that urges us to have faith that Jesus is what? You can say it. Jesus is better. All right. You got that That after only three months. Good job, Ashley. (laughs) So I hope that you can see the thread between all these different series. Um, maybe there are different sub-focuses, but all of them are revolving around the person and work of Jesus in our lives. Another more specific way that we're seeking to grow as mystics is through our terror talks. Um, historically, our terror talks have been a place with more of kind of the pilgrim missionary focus that we'll talk about, where we're trying to equip ourselves as God's people to know how to engage in the difficult social Um, issues and theological issues of our day that intersect with our culture and to learn how to talk about those well with each other before we go outside the walls and learn how to talk about those full of grace and truth in the public and in our culture at large. There's been a bit of a shift with our series in Hebrews. This has surfaced a lot of difficult theological issues for us to grapple with. So we've already had two terror talks here at the start of 2023. One was on how, how do we know that we can trust our Bibles especially since the authors of the New Testament, and this author of Hebrews in particular, takes so many Old Testament passages and uses them in ways that we would not have thought you would use that for. And so we had a really good discussion around how can we trust God's word uh, when we don't always see those connections between the New Testament author's use of the Old Testament. Then last week we talked about uh, what is the relevance of the law, the Old Testament law, in the lives of Christians today. And we parsed that out together in a terror talk we had last week. Um, of course, the author of Hebrews is going to get in some, some really uh, challenging waters when it comes to this fine line between the security of a believer and this appearance that can one lose their salvation if they're no longer living a holy life. And um, it's, it's going to be some difficult waters for us to get to tread through in, in chapter 6 of Hebrews. So in, in May, the month of May, we're going to have a Terra talk on this idea of apostasy. Can someone lose their salvation? So all of these things are a little bit more uh, focused theologically, growing us as theologians and understanding who our God is and how he wants us to live in light of that. So those are a couple of things that have to do with the word of God. But 
we're also a people of worship. And if we're in God's word and if we're knowing God, that's going to translate into us being a people of worship. So I wanted Pastor Matt to be able to speak to that for a minute. Yeah, so uh, one, one thing that, that, we, that we try to do here on a Sunday is that um, music is, we would say, stereotypically, well, we're worshiping now. Well, the entire service from when you enter the doors, from the atmosphere um, to, the, to the music, to the reading of the word, to fellowshipping with one another, we are making much of God as we come here to delight in him, to, to focus our attentions off of our idols and onto him. And that's, that's a life of worship. And I've just been encouraged uh, to see our congregation kind of understand that uh, in, in, in greater, in, in a, just a, a greater depth to understanding that we as Christians live lives of worship. And we're always worshiping. It just depends on where, where the worship uh, hose is pointed. And so uh, our goal and our hope and our prayer here is that uh, as, we, as we gather for um, fellowship on a Sunday, that we would be brought back to, if we've strayed, we would be brought back once again to the holiness of God. Um, we we pre- I try to preach almost every couple years on Isaiah 6, this idea of Isaiah being in the throne, the throne room of God and seeing the holiness of God and the worship that exists outside of our participation whatsoever. God is being worshipped uh, uh, in, infinitely in heaven, and so Isaiah is brought into that, and he's brought to just absolute awe and glory in the glory of God, and he's brought to his knees, and he, but he remains there, and he allows, he allows um, the, the Spirit to speak to him and to teach him and to cleanse him of, of his sins and then to send him out. And so that's really been the kind of the lifeblood of, of our worship services here. Um, but music is a big part of that. Uh, and so I'll ask this question, and, and if uh, the kids who were in Naos a couple weeks ago, you should know the answer. So why is it that we sing? Anybody? Because we can. Because we can. Because we are an emotional creature that God has made in his, in his image. We are, we are both uh, objective in truth, but also creative in our expression. And so we sing because we can. You don't see any other, any other beings on this created world that are singing. And so we take what's true about God and we connect it with, with our feeling of, of, of love and affection for God. And we put those things together and, and it's a beautiful, powerful thing. Um, and so I have, as your worship pastor, I have... It's not like we're, we're, we're performing in here, and when I used to be a band director, you know, there was, you know, marks of, oh, the band sounds much better. I will say, objectively, our church as a singing church has improved in, in our um, kind of, yes, Ben, it's good. Um, we've definitely, it, it, I've heard more volume and, and more expression and just more, um, more involvement with your voices speaking truth to God. And I think that's a powerful thing, and I think as a church... Um, growing together and saying true things about God together, I think is a powerful thing that pushes back the darkness. Um, we also celebrate liturgical seasons here at Terra Nova Church, um, seasons particularly of uh, Advent, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and drawing out the expressions from these seasons and, and placing us in the life of Jesus at various times throughout the year. That's the whole point of the liturgical season. It's not to have different customs throughout the year. It's, it's, to, it's to center us in the cyclical story narrative 
narrative of who Jesus is and what he did uh, to come um, to be with us. And so we are in Lent currently, and we, were, and we will uh, be in Easter very soon. Um, but the, the power of grounding ourselves in the, in the important um, scriptures, uh, readings, um, and stories of, of Jesus throughout these seasons uh, has been something that, I mean, I've, I've gained a lot of fruit from myself, and I hope you, you have too, uh, and we will continue to, uh, to worship and to, and to journey throughout our, uh, throughout our years that way. So that's all I got on worship. All right. If, if no other creatures besides humans sing, then what do you call what your dog George does when you're strumming your guitar He'd, in the office? Well, he is my dog, so, you know, he... He's received a lot of instruction at okay. home. So, if you don't know George, he's an old English sheepdog, and he howls at uh, trumpets and bagpipes. But he's English, so he doesn't like the Scottish very much. So, <laughs> all right, we're going to shift our focus to kind of the pilgrim bucket, which is this intersection of the truth um, that that God reveals of Himself with our our personal lives of following after Jesus, but not just personally together. It's really important that we we, we hear that in the context of needing to journey as pilgrims together. And in fact, in, in, the, in the letter to the Hebrews, there's a couple of places, one we've already come across that emphasize that. Hebrews 3.13, the author said, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And again, in chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, so we want to talk now about what some of those ways are in which we've gone about seeking to do that, pilgriming together to grow in what Jesus has revealed of himself to us. Um, th- this is kind of connected. It's more of a, on a personal note, but if we're reflecting in the past year, I'd be remiss not to mention the sabbatical that, my, uh, that I and my family took from May through August, which was a great blessing to us on that pilgrim level of just rest and refreshment um, in Christ to be able to come back to what God has called us to, which is pastoral ministry here at Terra. One of the expressions we've, we've long used and I love at Terra Nova is we seek to be pilgrims before we're priests, that we can really only minister to others out of the overflow of our own journey with Jesus. And so that sabbatical was really helpful in that regard for me and my family. During that sabbatical, um, many of you stepped up. I mean, certainly Pastor Matt took, took on a significant load during that time, which I'm grateful for, and was surrounded by many people who supported him during that time frame. Um, Reuben was a big part of that, Bernadette, Madison, uh, Amber Jacoby stepped up in a significant way. She was actually able to come on to part-time over those summer months between school years, and that was a huge, huge help to Matt. And we actually look forward to being able to have her come on again at that half-time rate this summer, which will be a big help to us. Um, For the rest of the items we're going to talk about under this pilgrim category, we want to separate them into kind of two different areas. One, things that happen kind of, uh, if you will, inside the walls on a Sunday when we gather, and then uh, the other things that happen outside of a Sunday. And so um, a lot of those inside the walls on a Sunday, uh, Pastor Matt is going to speak to here. So the, so the first piece is just a quick volunteer update, um, and I'm just going to read some bullets uh, that I received from Amber on this, and she's, she's our volunteer coordinator. Uh, it takes a lot of volunteers to to run a Sunday, and as we are serving the church, we are actually fulfilling the mission of the church as, as, as we serve one another and we serve Christ. Um, and we've had so many volunteers join this past year, a lot of holes filled um, to bring us to a, co- a capacity where where we can... Uh, 
it's not just a small amount of people serving all the time. It's actually a larger amount of people so that serving is more sustainable for us. Um, we've actually had a, uh, a large increase in our teens and preteens serving us on a Sunday, which is a huge blessing and encouragement. Um, we, have, uh, we have started and trained an operations team to do the things that uh, Amber and I might just do naturally without thinking, but training others so that when we're not there to kind of hold the keys uh, on a Sunday morning to turn things on to kind of operate, uh, to help us operate smoothly. That's been a huge blessing. Um, we still have some areas to grow. We always do. There's always kind of influx uh, in and out of the volunteer teams. Um, but uh, th- there's, there's teams that could grow if there's interest, like, um, like uh, our sound team, our operations team, kind of back-end uh, admin uh, things. There's also teams um, like, our, like our, our communion team, worship team, greeting team, uh, there's all sorts of different teams uh, that you can speak to Amber after the service if you're interested, but w- l- just know that we've seen uh, this church step up and serve in significant ways, and so that's super encouraging. So thank you for serving the church, and if you're not currently serving, we will, we will definitely find a place for you to plug in. Um, the, other, the other piece uh, uh, inside of a Sunday uh, is Terra Kids. Um, we don't see them here all the time because they're downstairs, but they're very much a part of the lifeblood of our church. Um, Christina had me pass along some, some highlights for this as she is our, our director who came on at a full-time, uh, well, full-time directing capacity the, this year. Um, they have, uh, Terra Kids, we have faithfully journeyed through the Jesus Storybook Bible, which has been a real blessing to our kids and families. Um, and actually, it, it just hap- it so happened this year that, uh, that whether there's Terra Kids or not, depending on volunteers, we would just go to the next story in the Bible, the next story in the Bible, the next story in the Bible. And actually, this year we are lining up, like, the, we are lining up right with the liturgical season. So the story right before Easter Sunday that's going to be taught in Terra Kids is the Easter story. So that's kind of a beautiful thing how God works that stuff out sometimes. Um, the kids have developed and are developing um, story storyboards. It's actually a craft they've been working on and that they'll have kind of a, a storyboard to show the narrative of Jesus. Um, uh, Christina has done a ton in revamping the downstairs to be more accommodating for our kids and better for learning. Um, their prayers and their conversations have increased so much. They do the five-finger prayer method. Some of you guys know that. Um, and this really helps get eyes off of us and onto others. And it was beautiful to hear them uh, pray just and lift up other people uh, to the Lord. Um, and uh, Christina will be uh, helping the kids learn a new prayer method this year uh, based on the Trinity. So, um, really exciting. Uh, there's been new families sending their kids down to Terra Kids. There's been people stepping up and serving. So, if you'd like to find out a way to serve with Terra Kids, you can email Christina at terranovachurch.org or Matt. Uh, you can email me as well. Uh, baptisms is something we love to do and we try to do in a liturgical uh, cycle. Um, the Traditionally, the church would use Easter Sunday as a Sunday to baptize uh, people because the Lenten season is a season of contemplation and of um, dwelling deeply with God's love for us despite our sin. And so the last few years, and last year being uh, 
kind of celebrating last year, we were able to baptize three people on Easter Sunday, Knox Berlin, Ashley Hydock, and Amber Barnes. And these, the, the beautiful thing is that the mix of these people who were baptized were um, current members that have been going to Terra for a while, but just growing in their faith and desiring to be baptized. Um, a brand new member, Amber Barnes, a brand new coming to us and co- becoming part of our family, and children of people that were here at Terra Nova being discipled uh, by their church and their parents to, to have a desire to, to know and trust Jesus. And so that's encouraging to see. And we have three baptisms uh, this Easter as well. So um, that's a, 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 a kind of cyclical nature that we will continue as a church. Um, but if you ever want to get baptized or want to find out more, you can always uh, talk to one of the pastors and we would love to, we would love to talk to you about what it means to be baptized and why we do that here. So, cool. yeah. Thanks. Um, so there's not a, a, these aren't always super clean lines between what happens inside the walls on a Sunday and outside and there's overlap. But if we shift focus a little bit to some of the different ministries that seek to help us grow as pilgrims outside of a Sunday, uh, I want to spend a little bit more time up front talking about tribes um, than some of the other pieces, just because of how kind of critical they are to the lifeblood of, um, of the pilgrim journey that we're on together here at Terra Nova Church. Um, r- tribes at their best, tribes are our small groups at Terra Nova, really function like micro churches. Um, they're aimed at a, a holistic, a, mo- a more holistic experience of life on life discipleship together through being in community together and um, encouraging one another uh, by bringing the word to bear on each other's lives and being on mission together. And sometimes we'll get feedback, which is totally understandable, where people will be like, yeah, but we don't go as deep in this or that or the other area in tribes as, as I would like or as I've experienced elsewhere. So sometimes people will say, yeah, I wish our tribe, uh, you know, had more of like this deep, narrow focus on inductive Bible studies. Or sometimes people have experienced really intense counseling in the context of redemption groups, which is a ministry we've, we've had historically here at Terra. Or other times people will go on a short-term missions trip and just really wish, man, I wish our tribe could be mobilized like that with that kind of intensity in a sustained way. And I think those things are beautiful. That's why we have some ancillary ministries like that here at Terra Nova Church. I also think they function a little bit like the parachurch does to the big C church, where sometimes parachurch uh, ministries can just go narrow and deeper in one thing, um, that, and the church can't be as narrow and deep on all the things that a par- parachurch ministries can. So the reality is none of those examples I gave, the deep inductive Bible study, redemption groups, short-term mission trip, none of those are designed uh, to foster the holistic experience of what it means for us to be Christians doing life together over the long haul. And so the other thing I'd want to say, too, is to really thrive in the context of a small group community, a, a tribe community, you need to have a long haul perspective. We need to have that. We're 10 years old now. I think that after 10 years, you start to, to, to experience like, man, I wish that, that my tribe experience was more like this or more like that. And I remember... Um, it was in maybe my second or third year as a pastor here, creating this chart in my office, of which some people have seen. It's been there since the beginning, still is on one of my walls. And it was all these different paradigm shifts that I realized God was calling me to press into. And one of them, kind of right in the middle, that I've probably referred to the most, uh, is moving from perfectionism to process. Or put it another way, kind of moving from um, the ideal to your reality and moving towards that ideal. Because when you only live with perfection in view or the ideal in view, and if you fall short of that, then it's a bust, then you become disillusioned. 
But if we're a people who recognize there is an ideal, and Jesus has given us that ideal, and God's word unpacks for us what that ideal looks like at its best for Christian community, and we realize it's a process to get there that will never be complete on this side of eternity, then it gives you a very different approach and perspective on what it means to be in community with other believers for the long haul. Um, and, and I would say, too, then, here's why tribes or cell groups, small groups, missional communities, different churches have different names for them, why they're so important. Because if the rest of our structure was to have to go away for some reason, being able to have the luxury to gather as a large group in a space like this on a Sunday, um, having full-time vocational ministers to offer structure and oversight, um, uh, in other examples, ancillary ministries and things like that, then if that all had to go away, what would remain? It would be the small group communities. It would be the, the micro communities doing life together. People who are seeking to grow in Christ with one another, care for one another, and be on mission together. It's what you see in the book of Acts in chapter 2, where though thousands were coming to Christ, where the rubber hit the road for them was in these house churches. It's what you see in the contemporary church in persecuted nations today, like in China, where the real church takes place underground in small group context. That's what will endure. That's what will last. It's the fundamental building block for the church, and that's why tribes or small groups are so important to us. At the last state of the church back in August of 2021, this is getting kind of the practical side, we shared that we were completely full in our tribes. And we, we saw that as a problem. A problem especially if there were people wanting to get plugged into one of these communities we, we believe so strongly about. Um, and so uh, the other reality was we'd been stuck there for three to four years at that number. Now that didn't mean that we didn't have any other leaders. We probably had a dozen or more different leaders, but some people moved on. Some people came to us and said, hey, we've been serving hard for a season. We just need a break. And so it, there was actually growth of a kind that we sustained at six, but we needed to be able to grow past that to create more space for people to enter into to community with us. And so the vision that we cast to our tribe leaders and also then we shared with the church uh, was this. This was a new strategy for st- sustainability and for multiplying our tribes. We said, all right, every tribe leader... You need to go back into your tribes. We want you to identify who in your tribe could potentially take on more of a leadership load and immediately begin delegating some of those leadership responsibilities that a future tribe leader might have in your tribe. Um, And the goal of that was uh, to be able to eventually turn over the reins of tribe leadership to uh, this new individual or family and multiply tribes. And this strategy would accomplish two things. Number one, it would give our existing tribe leaders a break because the idea was have these new potential leaders lead under your covering and with your support as you take a back seat for a year. So the existing tribe leaders would have a break. These new potential leaders would have extra covering and support and evaluated feedback before potential multiplication would take place. And so that would be the other benefit. If it all went well, then we would start to grow our tribes as well as have our existing tribe leaders have a built-in break. I think all of our tribe leaders who are able and in a position to do this put in a lot of effort uh, and immediately identified people in their tribe to take on more of a leadership load, which was great. Not all of that came to fruition in the form of new tribes. Some people just took on more leadership load and were challenged and stretched in that way, and God grew them through that. Um, But we did actually have just this uh, in the fall, I believe it was. We started uh, one new tribe in Clifton Park, which brought us up to seven um, as a result of this. And then this fall... Likely we will have another tribe start up, which will bring us to eight, and that 
would be in the Boston Spa area most likely. So that's just a praise uh, that after having been stuck for three to four years, uh, there is actually multiplication that's beginning to happen because as you'll hear in a little bit, we've grown as a church in the past 12 to 18 months pretty significantly. Um, And so God is providing in light of that. All that to say as well, we do have some space in our tribes. And so if you're somebody who's... uh, considers Terra home but is not yet in a tribe, please reach out to any of the pastors. If you want to find out more, we would love to unpack further what it means to be involved in a tribe at Terra Nova Church. I want to just speak briefly to, for a moment to um, the corporate care that you guys have provided for one another. A lot of care happens for people within our tribes, but there's also care that's happened on a corporate level. The last 18 months to two years has been filled with a lot of difficulty for many families in here whether it be personal tragedy or just falling on hard times. And I'm not going to give any specifics there, though many of you are aware, but I just want to say that the church has rallied, and many of you stepped up to serve those who are in need in significant ways during that time. And so I want to commend you for that. And I also want to say, be sustained in that, because that need is going to continue, if not for those families who have been suffering, for those of us who will be suffering. On this side of eternity, that's our unfortunate reality. But the glass half full perspective on that is that God grows us tremendously through meeting each other's needs in the midst of our suffering and trials. So keep up that good work, Terra family. Um, Imago and Poema, just a brief update there. Imago and Poema are our men's and women's ministries, respectively. Um, Each of those uh, held our annual retreat this past calendar year, which is a highlight um, uh, of, for those ministries. And uh, our Poema ministry also had several ancillary events. Um, and one of the things I wanted to point out at this point, though, was that uh, we had mentioned sometime last year this conviction that we needed to, through our men's and women's ministries, we wanted to do a better job in discipling our people into what does it mean to be a man and a woman. Now, that may sound really obvious, but I think historically, Imago and Poema indirectly has helped inform those things, but hasn't necessarily directly engaged that subject in a, in a, in a, in a holistic way. And so our intent was, starting in January of 2023, to actually implement and integrate some more formal teaching, instruction, and discipleship through our Imago and Poema ministries in that way. What happened was even more fundamental because the pastors across the Terra Nova network got together and recognized we had a position paper that we wrote on biblical manhood and womanhood, what that looks like about a decade ago. So much has changed in our culture and society since then that we recognized we needed to go back and reevaluated what we wrote, not for theological reasons. Fundamentally, nothing is really going to change there for us. But to ask ourselves the question of why do we believe the things that we believe? Because those questions are being asked more and more uh, by the, the society around us. And so just so you know, it was just last month that the elders met um, to have a, a robust conversation around that subject. We invited several women from all three locations um, to feedback into the position paper and give us their perspectives so that we make sure we're not just kind of like in our own bubble as men considering these things, though we're trying to do that objectively in light of God's word. And so we're in the process of really trying to ask ourselves a question. Why do we believe what we believe about these things? I say all that to say we do plan to bring this back around full circle. And we recognize the importance of something so fundamental as to what does it mean to be a man or a woman? We need to understand that in a deep way if we're to understand who we are in Christ. And we want to bring that back into Imago and Poema, and we'll do so um, in the near future, we hope.
Matt, you want to speak to NAOS a little bit? Yeah, so NAOS is our, our youth ministry that we started uh, officially last year. We, we, we did three different blocks last year. Um, it was hosted at Boston Spa, Saratoga, and Stillwater, different, place, different houses throughout the church. Um, the foundation for why we gather at, <clears throat> as youth is 1 Timothy 4.12 that says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. And so we've been, uh, with our NAS kids, we've been gathering, um, uh, gathering for, dip, for blocks throughout the seasons um, and for uh, corporate prayer together, for reading of God's word, and just for fun and being together and journeying through, to, uh, through life together. Um, Last year, we covered First Timothy 4. We did kind of a deep dive on that. We went through uh, Proverbs. We went through the book of Daniel to kind of look culturally um, how Daniel can really speak into our current culture and what kids deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, this year, we are increasing the amount of meetings within each block to six or seven from about four to five um, just to have more consistency together. We're meeting on Thursday nights here at 6.30 at the church. Um, because we were outgrowing people's homes, and so that's always an encouraging thing. Um, so we need, for the next block, which starts in three weeks, we still need some teachers um, and volunteers to help do hospitality. And what hospitality is is make something fun to eat. I think last last week the Hopkins brought... Um, waffles and strawberries and whipped cream and then played a really fun game and then we dove into the word the high docs are teaching us right now and so each week it's a deep dive into into scripture what we are what we are learning here uh, at church so it's so it's in reinforced whatever we're preaching on we're journeying through that with the kids as well so um, a lot of a lot of great uh, growth last year uh, in starting this ministry and we've seen a lot of fruit this year as well. So please be involved in NAOS, whether you have kids from uh, 11 to 18 or not. Um, like I said, we're still looking for teachers for next block. So if you're interested, uh, please let me know. We, we want to um, acknowledge and celebrate the fact that we ordained a, an elder, a pastor, this past fall. He's sitting on stage with us. And um, the inception of that was actually, if I remember correctly, not the same state of the church Sunday, but a couple right. years later, it was a town hall meeting that we had after church where we were speaking to this sense of, um, of that God, we believe, God had impressed upon us that we need, if we're going to grow as a church, we need to grow in a plurality of eldership, which we use elder and pastor synonymously here at Terra. And that, God just planted a seed in, in Pastor Ruben's heart uh, that began way back then. And then uh, we, had, we launched a, an Explore Eldership Collective in the fall of 2020 that he was a part of. In the fall of 2021, he entered the, a formal eldership process, and then we ordained him this past November. And so we celebrate that. That's a great blessing um, to our church. It's a great blessing to Matt and I, as Reuben, as God knew, just brings different perspectives and um, uh, competencies uh, to the table that have been a blessing to us. Um, one thing I really want to point out, too, that was encouraging to me as I prepared for today um, in light of Naos and um, ordaining uh, Reuben was that back in 2019, I think it was at that State of the Church Sunday, um, we shared a little bit of vision with you guys and said, we see where we're going as a church. Um, you know, in two, three, four years, we're going to have a youth group, whether we're ready for it or not, just based upon the young church that we have. We also see the need for more leaders in particular in the area of pastors. And here we are now, four years later, and by God's grace and many of your hard work 
and obedience, like we were able to uh, be ministering in both of those ways. And so I say that to point out two things. Number one, sometimes these things can take time. There are things we're probably sharing with you today that are hopes that may take uh, months or years to come to fruition. Um, but the other thing I want to point out is to say that if there are genuinely ne- genuine needs that we have, and the Lord knows that, he's going to provide for those, and he's been faithful to do so. Um, on that topic of leadership, uh, th- this is kind of a, a, um, a preview of something that very well may come to fruition. It's pretty far down the way of prep- preparing for it, that we, we're looking to launch a leadership collective um, that's more generic than just kind of the elder process in the near future. Historically, we've had training grounds for leadership, like uh, tribe leader trainings. I see what time it is, Matt. We'll do our best. <laughs> okay. Uh, tribe leader trainings, residencies, and internships, which is more focused on um, possibly sending people out to become ministers elsewhere or pastors elsewhere, and elder training processes. Um, but leadership collectives is, is a net that we want. A leadership collective is something that casts a wider net. And we recognize that we have existing staff members who would love that, aspiring leaders who would love that, men and women who would love that opportunity to be able to grow as leaders. And so this is something that's in the works, that's being developed. We're targeting sometime early in 2024. It's going to be a collaborative initiative with the resources of the network, um, uh, people and provisions from the network to be able to pour into this. And we're going to seek to develop leaders in areas of theology, public speaking and teaching, leading teams, terraculture and DNA general cultural awareness, and then spiritual formation, which is um, like spiritual disciplines and our growth in that way. Um, Space is going to be limited for that inevitably, and we've already begun conversations with some. However, it'll be a pretty robust commitment, and we don't know who's going to be able to commit. We may not even know that something like this is on your heart. If you're interested in something like being a part of a leadership collective, reach out to one of the pastors, and when we know more, we will get you more information on that. I want to shift now just to talk about our last bucket as what it means to grow as missionaries and some of the structures in place for us to be on mission together. Uh, to be a mis- on mission together or missionaries is this outward focus that we are seeking to have as Christ's people to incarnate the gospel to the world around us, both in word and in deed. And so one of the questions we'll periodically ask ourselves is if Terra Nova ceased to exist tomorrow, would anybody miss us? Would anybody even know or care? And again, that's not to be self-focused about us, but like our the presence of Christ in our community, would it be missed? Um, scriptures that compel us to answer that in the affirmative are Paul's words to the Corinthians and Second Corinthians of being the church being the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of Christ to the world around them. Of Jesus' words to his disciples saying, the world will know you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Um, so there's a lot of ways that being a church on mission together um, works itself out at Terra Nova. We've already talked a little bit about tribes. Um, uh, if, if you'll humor me, I will say this much more about tribes. We think that tribes have the greatest potential um, of being uh, mobilized to be on mission because I see an intersect between the words I just quoted from Jesus and our tribes um, as the best place to live that out where Jesus said, the world will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And in those words, Jesus implied at least two things. Number one, in order to see that, well, number one, there has to be more than one Christian for there to be loving one another. 
So we're better on mission together than we are individually. Number two, there have to be people who don't yet know Jesus invited in close enough proximity with us to be able to witness that kind of community. The trials, the suffering, the conflict that Christ's people handle by the power of the Holy Spirit and showcase something different to the world around them. And so we believe tribes is really the best vehicle strategy for that to be on display. Yet there are other things that we are involved with. From the beginning, Terra Nova has been... uh, convicted that our narrow and deep efforts in the way of mission outside these walls is going to be through church planting, at least uh, beyond the scope of our immediate community. And so from the beginning, we have committed to 10% of our annual giving going directly to church planting. That was about, for the past couple of years, that's been about $30,000 just from our location. And we pool that money together with the other two Terranova churches. We've had about seventy dollars to $80,000 each year to work with, to invest in church planting locally and globally. Some of those churches uh, you may have heard of, we've spoken about some of them, Engage Albany, Pastor Sean Nolan down in Albany, Covenant and Renovation Churches, two different churches in Syracuse that are part of the Acts 29 network, uh, Terra Nova Church in North Adams. We continue to support because there are many churches that are in these hard places in New England that don't ever get to be very big, at least at this point, we pray for a revival that may mean need perpetual support in order to continue to be on mission where they are. So we continue to support Terra Nova Church in North Adams, Christ Church in Townsend, Mass., brand new church plant as of this January. There's a church plant in Central Falls, Rhode Island. Bernadette, you'll appreciate this. Jonathan Lugo is the pastor there. It's a primarily Spanish-speaking community there in Rhode Island. They're about ready to get launched off the ground. They're another Acts 29 church that we're supporting. Um, Maranatha Faith Temple, now we're talking globally, um, is a, a church in India that we support. The, the primary connect point there, Pastor Tori Arneson of Terranova and Troy went to seminary at Liberty with Sri, Pastor Sri, who is the pastor over there at Maranatha uh, Faith Temple. And um, Sri's actually going to be coming over sometime, maybe this summer, to speak. And we're, we're going to at least capture some of that on video. And then New Hope Fellowship in Cambodia, which is a, a, a pretty new church plant over there uh, that also seeks to aid and uh, minister to vulnerable women in, in their society. Um, listen, other churches will have missionary budget lines. You may have been a part of those churches before. I have. And uh, that are pretty robust and significant. We do as well. Ours just goes towards the mission of planting churches in places that need churches, okay? So same thing, but that's just our narrow and deep focus. The other thing I want to say, too, we have a vision to continue planting churches directly out of Terra Nova Church if God would provide those resources and the need. Churches always begin, we believe, with a critical mass of those micro-churches, small groups in a particular area, and then that becomes evidence for the need for a church there. That's how Terra Nova Saratoga began 10 years ago. We had about 30 people and three small groups in Saratoga traveling down to Terra Nova and Troy, and we said we need a church up in the Saratoga area. Um, and so that's how that began. And I'll, I'll say, too, that this is, as Madison Wyman mentioned a couple of weeks ago when he was preaching, church planning is something on his heart, um, and he's actually out at Cross Point Church in uh, Whitesboro near Utica this morning preaching at the church he grew up in, and the pastor out there, the senior pastor there was his youth pastor growing up. And so they have a great relationship and are beginning to have conversations as to what would it look like for Madison maybe one day to plant out of that church in the Utica area where he grew up. Um, so that continues to be a part of our vision for our church as well. Matt, you want to speak to those last two? Yeah, so Young Lives uh, is, a mis- is, a, is a ministry we support. Uh, Julie Bickley uh, is a member here at Terra, and she, we support her monthly. Um, she works with Young Lives, which is a, a subsidiary of, of Young Life. 
um, that works with teen moms. And so I'm just going to read a couple of the names. Sometimes we, we, you know, we know we're giving towards a, a, a mission, but sometimes we miss um, names and faces. So um, we continue to pray for Naya and Teresa and Johnny, Sabrina and Rob, Audrey and Gavin, Ariel, Malik, Keela, Emma and Steven, Selena and Ryan. So you can hear not just the women, but also the, the uh, boyfriends and husbands of the teen moms are being discipled and, uh, and, and being cared for. And so we continue to pray for Julie and, and any way that you are interested in being involved um, in things like club, their monthly gathering, or uh, summer camp, uh, please reach out to me or Julie and we'll get you connected. Um, but we continue to support Julie and her fruitful ministry here uh, in the Capital Region. Um, the other one, and I wrote this down just so I could be um, really specific with, with the information. This is a ministry that we are uh, seeking to begin uh, this calendar year. Um, this is a ministry called Justice for Children. Uh, and within JFO, um, there's, uh, there's a portal called Care Portal. Um, and as you know, and I'm going to just start reading this so you kind of get all the information without me rambling. Um, as you know, one of our core values as a church and tribes is to be on mission. And this is tricky at times, and it's not always perfect, um, and not always the, the perfect scenario presents itself. Um, but we want to engage in ministry locally. We also want to engage with people, not just checking a box. And so uh, this organization called Justice for Or- Orphans seeks to inspire, educate, and equip families, churches, businesses, and community members to care for vulnerable children in crisis. And the way this plays out for them is we try to get upstream from the problem of children being made orphans or put into the foster care system. So what Care Portal does is its brilliant new online portal where New York State caseworkers for these families that are in crisis post these acute needs for what they need to be met in order for the families to stay intact. They post these needs on the Care Portal um, and and uh, like beds, tables, bedding, even tires for cars, etc. The state of New York, okay, this is the state of New York has encouraged and endorsed this ministry. They've encouraged and endorsed a faith-based ministry, which is an incredible thing to say, um, that because they see that churches meeting these needs actually helps the need be successfully met because it's not just uh, checking a box, but there's actually relationship built with, with the members who are receiving care. Uh, and so f- church families are getting behind families in hardship and keeping families intact. That's an amazing thing. And the state of New York is saying, we want you to keep doing this. And so uh, Karen Lang, who is a regional uh, leader for JFO and Care Portal, is launching in Saratoga County and actually in a few weeks. Um, and so needs churches like ours to say yes to this call. So we are, we're in the process of having Karen meet with some of our tribe leaders. And Territory has already um, signed up for Care Portal. So you will see more about this in the coming weeks. But we're really excited to see what God decides to, to do with this. It seems like an incredible, incredible uh, faith-based organization that, that, uh, that joins with the welfare system here in New York State, and they are seeing, they are seeing the Spirit of God work, and it's incredible. And they're saying, please continue to do this. So, yeah. Did you say the part about being able to um, 
pray for the family. Oh yeah. So often, if you were to go to a soup kitchen or something, they actually tell you, you they you have to refrain from proselytizing or praying or giving Bibles and things like that. They actually encourage you, and the drop offs are person to person. It's not a central location that JFO gives these things. You, your family, or whatever, you go and you drop these things off, and they encourage you to make relationships. You can pray for them. You can invite them to church. You can give them Bibles. You can develop uh, relationships. Uh, So this is a very unique and exciting um, ministry that the state of New York is, like, super okay with. Yeah, it just (laughs) seems like what, you know, when it says in the Word, like, they will see your your works and they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. It's like... They at least can't deny there's good work that's taking place. And so they're like, okay, you Christians do what you, you are doing because we can't deny the fruit that seems to be coming of that. So we're just excited by that, especially in a place like, like upstate New York. Um, so the last piece here when it comes to the missional side, it may sound a little odd at first, but it has to do with the, the growth I referred to earlier as a church. I mean, that, that certainly is the fruit of mission. Some of that has been people who've come to Terra Nova, who've moved here, or church transfer growth of Christians people who are Christians prior to, but certainly some of that has been people who've come to faith or people who were de-churched, like they weren't a part of a church for a while and God called them back. And so we've seen significant growth. At the end of 2022, we had a a rolling average of 139 people um, for the last three months of 2022 um, on a Sunday morning here, as opposed to the prior December was about 106. That's 30% increase in growth, which I didn't even realize until I saw those numbers when we were adding them all up. Um, And so interestingly, that coincided with a conversation that we had with the First Baptist Church about re-upping our lease. We just finished a five-year lease this December. And I mean, all of this is in God's timing. And so one of the things that we decided and they agreed to is is we're doing a shorter-term lease, a three-year lease, because we're just recognizing we have to start evaluating who is God calling us to be, where is this church headed, and is the current gathering space he's given us sufficient for that mission that he's called us to? We love this space and we love being here, but we're starting to need to be open to those types of questions. And so why do I bring that up? I bring that up to say, um, just briefly touch upon kind of the budget piece here. Um, and we'll, we'll actually be talking more about that at the town hall afterwards too, if you're interested. But in 2022, we budgeted $310,000 for the needs of the church. In 2023, for this year, we budgeted 343. Uh, that's like a, a 10% or a I forget what percent. It's a significant jump. What are the reasons behind that? One of the reasons is because you guys, the Terra family, has been faithful and exceeded what we had intended or, or rather planned to come in last year. But it's still a stretch goal beyond that. And part of the reason for that is we just recognize the need to be prudent and start saving for the future, to build up a reserve, to be ready for if and when we need a different space in, in accordance with what God's calling us to be and do as a church. So we want you guys to be aware of that. It is a bit of a stretch goal for us, so there's a bit of a challenge in this for you guys as well to make up that difference for this calendar year. Um, but if you break it down by those people who call Terranova home, like the, the number of households represented in our church, which are about 60, um, it would be $8 a week per family who call Terra home to make up that difference. And part of the reason, we, we're not planning to spend all of that money that we budgeted for this year. We're budgeting so that we have a significant amount we can start saving and putting in a reserve to be prepared for what the future holds, whether that be uh, personnel and staff or, or, or building in a different situation that we find ourselves in. Again, we love it here, but at some point we're going to start to ask ourselves the question of, is this going to s- sufficiently provide for our needs um, for the future? 
So just in close, um, we want to remind you that uh, we have a town hall meeting after the service today uh, that you can join us and ask questions. Um, There is an annual report that if you didn't pick up on the way in, you can grab on the way out or get one at the town hall meeting, which kind of summarizes some of the more uh, practical information we've talked about today. Um, But we just want to encourage you guys to be praying in these ways as we close that I'm about to share, and then Pastor Ruben will close us in prayer. Four Four things, and you'll find several of these in the annual report too. Number one, unity. Um, Not because we sense disunity in our church, quite to the contrary, but because we recognize that in the times in which we live, the church is not immune from the polarization that can happen. Uh, the, con- the contagion of culture being so polarized can enter the church. And unity is what distinguishes the church from the rest of the world. That's one of the things that Jesus prayed and said over and over again. Courage, number two. Um, courage to be able to share the, the gospel boldly, full of grace and truth. Be present, full of grace and truth, the incarnational core value. To do that with courage, because it's going to take more and more courage that's supernaturally inspired and not natural because of the culture we live in today. For new believers, we want to be a church um, that is not only monastic and a safe place for existing Christians. We want the church to be a mixture of Christians and people who are intrigued by this Jesus who want to know him, even if they don't yet. So pray for new believers to be drawn to the aroma and fragrance of Christ through Terranova Church and for them to come to faith for there to be revival um, in our church and in our communities. And then number four, for wisdom, very practically in light of some of the needs that we um, have shared in terms of questions about what our future holds. Um, When it comes to space, um, we just need wisdom in that. Uh, If God is calling us to stay and be rooted here for the next 30 years, so be it. Um, If God is calling us to be prepared for some sort of a transition, we're okay with that too but that takes a lot of resources. And so we just need wisdom as to where to be putting those resources in the days ahead. So Ruben, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Thanks. Can I, can I speak just momentarily? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Been sort of silently sitting on the side as the lay pastor. And these guys have a lot more time uh, during the week to uh, prepare. And, and that's totally understandable. So it's a little different perspective. <clears throat> Daniel mentioned that my very first Sunday, I think, was here, was for this. The, the, I don't think I stayed for the town hall because our kids were littler. Um, and then the first time I really felt like God was calling me to church leadership in terms of being a pastor was also at a State of the Church uh, event. It was in the town hall afterward. Um, so uh, this might seem like a strange thing to, to be, you know, to take a whole service to, to, to vote to saying, this is where we've come from, this is where we see we're going. Uh, to talk strategy from a, of a from a church pulpit instead of looking to scripture and looking to Christ, but um, these are things that these are these are important things. Um, while while you guys were talking, I was I was drawing these uh, these connections. We are part of a not just part of a global church, uh, which we pray for regularly, which we participate with through um, various um, organizations and meetings that um, Matt and Daniel go to. We're also very, very closely tied to a network of churches, a, sort of a, small, a smaller scale group of churches that we're very tied to. And all of the principles that we've talked about, the Christocentric, um, the, um, the incarnational, the missional, monastic, all of those are on a global scale. All of those are on a network scale. They're also being lived out in our church, the church gathered on Sunday morning. They're also... Um, we're also attempting to live those out and the small groups so that like the more broke down version of the uh, of the church that our tribes 
we intend those to be Christocentric, incarnational, missional, and monastic. But these things also apply to the very tiniest uh, of division of the church global, which is an individual. And so if, if all of this stuff seems uh, airy-fairy and off in the distance and that, that, you know, I don't really feel like I'm part of the decision-making process for the global church or the network church, you're part of the decision-making process for the, the smallest incarnation of the body of Christ, which is you. And, and so this is an opportunity for you to take these, these truths, these things that we are trying to do together, and say, how am, I, um, how am I living my life in a way that is centered on Christ day to day? How am I living incarnationally and bringing Christ to the world that I live in uh, and, and, and making changes in my own life? How am I being uh, monastic in, in terms of how am I focusing on my own personal church growth how am I being missional? How am I, how am I taking that into the world? So these are things that, that we, can, we can talk about together because each of us has our own personal, individual world that we live in and the people that we see differently in different days of the week. And, um, and so we've all, we're all on this journey together. And so that's why, we, that's why we group in small groups and that's why we group in larger groups and that's why we're part of a global uh, and a network. And so um, these are things that I was talking about. So or thinking about while you guys were, were speaking... Um, but all of these things, so all of these things that we pray for, uh, we pray for uh, our, our network, we pray for our church, we pray for our tribes, and we pray for you uh, and me as individuals that we would um, that we would have uh, a, un- a spirit of unity individually, that we would um, have the courage to share the gospel um, and bring new new believers to the church, and that we would have wisdom as we as we interact with the world and the church and the tribe and these things. So. Would you pray with me for this? Father, we are uh, so incredibly thankful for the work that you have done, for the things that we can point back to, uh, to see your grace in our lives, to see your blessings on um, on our people, to see the way that you have carried us through difficulty. Uh, as individuals, as a church, as a network, and as the church universal. And God, as we, uh, as we, as we look to the future um, for our church, I pray that you would help us to start in our own hearts. God, I pray that you would give us, a, each of us, a spirit of unity, um, a spirit of grace, that as we deal with one another, whether inside or outside the church, uh, your love would be made known through our unity. God, I pray that you would individually and corporately give us the courage to share your gospel, to share your love with the world, to share your desire for people to come to know you and, uh, and be known. And God, we pray that this would um, bear fruit, that we would bear fruit as individuals, as tribes, as a church, that, um, that, we, would see, that we would see new people coming to know you that we could celebrate and, um, and be emboldened by. God, give us, give us wisdom as we, as we walk through our, our worlds, uh, our jobs, our, our orbits, the, the different grocery stores and banks we go to, uh, that we would be able to, to see where we can meet people's needs and meet them where they are. Help us to be the body of Christ. We're just uh, grateful for this, for this church. We're grateful for the opportunity to, to gather that we're not alone, 
uh, in all the things that we are attempting and striving for, but that you are with us, that you bring us together. And uh, especially as we close, that as we lift up your name and sing words of truth, that they would be um, written on our hearts, that they would carry us through the weeks. And uh, grateful for all of this. We ask it all in your name. Amen.